Hello, world, and welcome to this pilot episode of the Ronjiro Japan podcast, a place where we talk about everything related to Japan and we talk to people who love Japan. Speaking of love, Shakespeare wrote, If music be the food of love, play on. That was from the opening act of Twelfth Night. But today, I'll be talking with the opening act of Half Past Nine, a new post punk talent from America's musical heartland. Billy Jackson is the frontman for Half Past Nine, and he's here in Tokyo making preparations for the release of their new album called Mass, which will be launched in Japan very soon. Billy has also given us permission. To play some of the tracks from the new album. And so, for the first time anywhere, you can hear Half Past Nine right here on this show. Our guest is Billy Jackson. I'm your host, JT, and this is Ronjiru. Let's discuss Japan. Jackson, thank you very much for joining us on the Ronjiro Japan podcast. Thank you, JT. This is very exciting for me because this is the very first pilot episode of the Ronjiro Japan podcast. It's an honor to have you here、thank、on the、you. show.、Um, why are you in Japan? I'm in Japan to、uh, do a release and promo for the new Half Past Nine album. So you've been to Japan many times. Yes, this is my.、Uh, Fourth time,、mm-hmm. I've been to Japan a few times, but this is the one that I'm really excited about for getting the music released here. And so, you have、uh, done live shows in Tokyo in the past? Yes, I did a few shows in 96. 1996, yes. In Tokyo, it was experimental to see what was going on. And we had a good response, so I decided to、uh, go from there and、uh, move forward and try to get this thing in action. And、um, where did you play when you were here in Tokyo? Well, we last played、um, two of my favorite places I remember. One was、uh, the Milk Club in Ebisu. I、ah, thought、yes. that was a really nice place. Yes. And another one was the Apollo Club,、mm-hmm. which was pretty unique. And what was the reception? The reception, both, was really good. Yes.、Uh, I think the Milk Club was a little more rowdier.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, they both appreciated.、Uh, I love. The atmosphere and the PA systems were blasting. We had a brilliant time. And、um, I heard, because I think we need to talk about your background a little bit before we talk about、uh, Half Past Nine. Oh, sure.、Mm-hmm. But、um, I've heard that you, because you work at Goon Guitars in Nashville, and you also,、uh, of course, are a, are, are a musician, that you have met many, many.、Uh, Very famous musicians, very famous、uh, bands.、Uh, I've been、uh, working at Gruen Guitars for 18 years.、Uh, 18 years. 18 years.、Uh, Mr. George Gruen,、mm-hmm. uh, the owner and proprietor, he started in 1970. So, January the 1st will be his 50th anniversary. I've sold、uh, many guitars. So, so, the average player, the weekend warrior, the beginner, session players. 
but I've done a lot of, what would you say, the rock star or country or, you know, big entertainment status. Sure. Uh, people I met through the years it was quite vast. One of my favorite ones, though, was probably uh, Elvis Costello. I'll just I'll drop a few names. Mm-hmm. So Elvis Costello. Wow. I've done uh, He's Metallica. very popular in Japan, by the way. He's a, he's a really wonderful guy. Really, He was really yes. nice and very oh. artistic. He has a super good ear. And then, so, Gee Whiz, Purple Giraffe. Gee Whiz, have- Purple Giraffe. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's my, uh, my, my early uh, post-punk bands that I did, yes. like from the late 70s through the 80s. Uh, Purple Giraffes were a really cool band. We did like sort of L.A. kind of cool pop songs, Oh Who songs. And we really liked to come out and intimidate the crowd. Uh, there was beer throwing, uh, mosh pitting, and... Uh, it was pretty interesting. And the giraffes, uh, they was a short-lived act, but we'd pack the house. It'd be 200, 300 people waiting just to see us. And that was a lot of fun. Hot, sweaty, loud music. It was great. Wow. Something that I've heard you say before is that you wanted to create music that has not been done before. Something that's unique, something that's a little bit... Uh, unusual from what's uh, what's the norm. Yeah, I don't want to... There's all the music out there is terrific. I grew up with many kinds of music from classical, prog rock, country music as a child. I was dragged to the Opry and everything right. else. But yes. this kind of music I wanted to do was uh, some of the, all the influences that I listened to, but have a little flavor of each, but do a texture of my own. In other words, I didn't want to sound like them. I want to sound like me. I want to be different. Sure. And... Your music is certainly unique. I've heard of it. I've heard some of it, and we shall be listening to it during the the course of this program. Um, I want to come back to Grun Guitars and George Grun. Yes, yes. He's a brilliant guy. Uh, he started out uh, Grun Guitars. It first started out as a hobby, and that got out of hand. Mm-hmm. And he decided to do the business, which he opened in 1970. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to work for him. He has been very good to me and my family, and the people I work there are as a family. All of the people that I work with, everybody's a player. And one thing about that, we know the instrument inside out, and we try to get the uh, right instrument, or if it's a guitar, mandolin, banjo, bass, etc., to the right people. You know, the instrument that they want to enjoy, get the right fit for them. In music, you know, and selling the stuff, I create dreams. Because you sell an instrument, you can create dreams. Uh, you know, whether it's financially or spiritually. You're creating. That's what it's all about. <clears throat> Absolutely. You are an aficionado of vintage guitars. We try to do like vintage. And, and I hate to use the word vintage because the real vintage was in the 20s and 30s, you know, compared to today. You know, 70s and all that stuff. It's, uh, it's still in that market. But the real golden years, well, like for acoustics and stuff, was, you know, in the late 20s and the 30s and the 40s, you know, such as the, the Martins, the golden era mm-hmm. guitars, which were out in the 30s. And then, of course, everything broke loose when uh, Les Paul, you know, Gibson came out with the Les Paul and, you know, Leo Fender with a Stratocaster, Telecaster. Right. That really opened the big market, you know, the, wow, the new electric sound. And so what is the biggest selling... Um, uh, classification of guitar because if I'm not mistaken wasn't it George Grun who came up with the guitar classifications is that George wrong? Uh, he's a he's a walking encyclopedia uh-huh. uh, we have a vast collection of uh, 
uh, historical articles and books and pamphlets and stuff that he has amassed over the years. He's wrote several books, mm-hmm. and he's a walking encyclopedia. He's the man himself who created the vintage guitar market before it was called, quote, the vintage guitar market. The vintage guitar market, right. And so if you had to uh, utilize a, quote, vintage guitar, which of your songs on your latest album do you think would be uh, the best uh, suited for a vintage guitar? One of my favorites would probably be uh, the on one of the tracks would probably be like What You See. And that I used an old uh, SG Junior, which I still have today. Mm-hmm. And it's just got the early snarls, one P90 pickup. It's just got that snap to it, you know, and it's real mm-hmm. easy to play. It just, make, it just zings. What you see. And that's a really good song. What is George's fascination with snakes? 
George was a zoologist, I guess. Uh, I don't know the proper term, but he studied a lot about animals and animal behavior. Yes. He has several uh, unique snakes in his office, probably about 15 or 20. I do not like snakes. <laughs> and he has uh, this little creature. It's like, it looks like a little dragon, and he's called Freddy, and he's just so cool. But he, uh, You've he, met he, it. Oh, yes. He has some really, really cool uh, reptiles in his collection, and... Uh, He's he's just he his vast knowledge is just really really unique and he loves his pet. I call him pets. And we also have a cat there mm-hmm. that we let roam free on the second floor. His name is Titus. That's one of George's little babies. Tigus? Titus. Titus. And oh. he's probably a little twelve pound uh, striped tad, but it, it has a real unique uh, coating. In it. And he gets like, along with the snakes. Uh, yeah, the snakes are in uh, in their glass environments, mm-hmm. but uh, we let him roam around with customers. And we're dog friendly too at the store, as long as they're on the leash and uh, can be peaceful. We let them come in the store. You have met many, many, many famous artists. Some famous artist who has come into uh, Green Guitars and said, "Where's Billy?" Well, one person I could probably remember. I don't want to mention the name for privacy. Okay, because uh, he has a really good guitar collection. But I had someone come back probably it was about eight years ago. He said, I'm looking for something unique. Mm-hmm. And with the upper management, they were talking. And I just remember this really cool Gretsch, 1959 Gretsch, four-string tenor electric mm-hmm. that we had that was immaculately excellent that Mr. Gurren procured. And while they were talking to him, uh, I brought the instrument out, and he just went bonkers over it. Mm-hmm. And he used it that night at the Ryman Auditorium to a sold-out show. And he mentioned my name in the show, which I was just totally thrilled. I didn't get to see the show. I had other obligations. And I just think it was so cool. You work with bass players, Tony Nagy. Yeah, Tony Nagy is one of the master luthiers that works with us as well. He's a session player, mm-hmm. bass session. He does a lot of gigs. Uh, he did with uh, Damien Johnson, which is a really cool rock act. Nashville and regional, and they used to play with uh, some of the members of Thin Lizzy, and then uh, he did a, a, a few gigs with uh, Rick Derringer, which is a really popular artist, a great guy, by the way, mm-hmm. and another guy, I think he did a couple of shows on like this big cruise ship and stuff, which was like a rock and roll party with a, right. the, the, the snake man himself, Mr. Alice Cooper. We're back to snakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Ace Freely. He did a couple of shows with Ace Freely as well. Yeah, he's a real guy. And I was a big Kiss fan. For all you people out there, I remember seeing him in 1973 at a club my father took me to. He was in the uh, retail liquor and spirit business, but he had to be 21 in the club. So he, mm-hmm. he uh, took me and a real close friend to the club, even though we couldn't see the show, I got to watch Kiss play without their makeup and do a sound check in 1973. Wow. And this was their first tour in a little small club that only held probably about three. Without people. their makeup. Without their makeup. So you're one of the few people on earth who has seen That's Kiss a, without their without makeup. Without their makeup way before, yes. How about Rick Derringer? He's a killer guitar player. You're a killer guitar player. I'm a noisemaker. That way I can get away with it. <laughs> um... If you had to pick one of the tracks on your new album that you thought would be the most important for Japanese and international audiences to hear, what one would it be? One of the tunes I like the most, that, uh, it's pretty cool, it's called Just Like You. Just Like You. So let's listen to Just Like You 
and then we'll come back.
You're from Nashville. Nash Vegas, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, but not the country music part. Uh, I live about 10 miles from the center of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nashville is, is a cool city. It's not just uh, country music. It's now a lot of blues, R&B. There's a lot of uh, underground rave. There's a lot of uh, pop music as well. Because of your album, I actually want to ask you about the underground uh, a bit for anyone who doesn't know about nashville's underground music scene there's a lot going on um small venues maybe a whole 100 150 people you get like the five spot there's another place uh, that i like a lot which is the cannery which is bigger you know doesn't seats you know two or three hundred uh you can have the exit in and then one of my favorite little punk bars is called the inn and that's been around for about 35 years, and it's a really cool place. It's basically a bar dive, I guess you'd say. Sure. But it was a lot of fun. They have a lot of unique different acts there, and, and uh, probably the post-punk. Did it begin during the punk era, the whole sort of underground, uh, Nashville underground music scene? Nashville had a really strong underground scene, probably from about 77 all the way up through like 89, and 90. There's two, three places that closed. One of the most popular was a place called Cantrell's. Another one uh, that I liked, it was closed down uh, probably two or three years after we played a couple gigs, you know, a few gigs there, was a place called Frankenstein's. Frankenstein's. <laughs> and that was a really cool place. It, it was anything could go on there. I mean, there was a lot of cool bands there. Gee Whiz? Gee Whiz. That was one of the bands I was in that was very short-lived, but it was a lot of fun. Actually, we played some Ramon songs. We went and played skating rinks. And things of that. Skating rings. Yeah, skating rings. Most of it was disco music and stuff like that. Well, they'd have like all these battle of the bands and stuff. So we'd come in and play and hit them up with Ramon songs and some of the originals. I remember one instance we played, they turned the power off on us because we were so good <laughs> compared to some <laughs> of the bands that were playing. Uh, the Purple Giraffes? The Purple Giraffes. We were totally insane exotic. I'll put us right up with the pistols. Uh, you know, I'd come out, and we, we, the first song we did was The Who. People tried to put us down, like, and I'd throw the mic out on the stage, throw beer at the people, and, and the interaction, did not, and then it all breaks loose. Everybody's just jumping, dancing. It's the wilder you got, the wilder the band got. And when was that? That was around 79, 1980. Mm-hmm. And it's just right at the height of, I guess you call it New Wave. It was one of those things, and that was a brilliant time. I mean, the, the scene there was just nice. Last Rites? Last Rites. That was more of the late 80s. I tried to did more of the uh, Lost Romantic Soul, Broken Heart, uh, Dark Gloom, and Glam Band, sort of like Sisters of Mercy, you know, kind of gloom, doom, like early Cure kind of vibe, you know, kind of dark, spooky, romantic. Just Routine. Just Routine was my favorite band. Uh, one of our... Uh, bass players, uh, a very good friend, Vic, he's passed away, but uh, all oh. the crew of us, uh, we did all original songs, mm-hmm. and we actually had a really good scene among the college market in Nashville, uh, like the Big Bandy University, uh, the local radio. It was fun. 
a little bit more about you. Where would you, you like to know about me? Grand old Opry. Okay, the Grand Ole Opry. I remember my mom and dad, my mother's parents, uh, grandparents, or my grandparents would come up, mm-hmm. and he used to take me when I was a little kid, and used to go, and I was fascinated by seeing pedal steels and you know Telecasters and the the, the flamboyant you know country western outfits and the bandana scarves and stuff, and I just I just blowed my mind old Gretsch guitars and stuff, and I used to go. And you know, I see this stuff with them, and my little butt would stick on the oak pews. And I just remember it was so funny because back then they had no uh, air conditioning; it was strictly in the very, very hot. Which to now the Ryman's remodeled, and it's a wonderful place everybody needs to go. And if you want to see a show there, there's not a bad seat in the house. But mm. I remember going there, and I used to get my hair cut, my little burr cut as a kid, and I used to go to this shop in East Nashville. Uh, what was so funny was seeing. Uh, I was getting my haircut was Porter Wagner. He's long past, but a Grand Ole Opry star. He used to play with Do- Dolly Parton. He used to get his pompadour haircut, and I get my little bus cut. And mm-hmm. I remember he ran this big old studded Western jacket with the wagon wheel with all the rhinestones, and I'm just sitting there just in awe. Like, can I try that on? He said, maybe when you can lift it one day. I still nah. remember that. That was brilliant. <laughs> Let's talk about your band, Half Past Nine. Why did you choose the name Half Past Nine? And nine is N-E-I-N, which is the German word for no. Correct. Half Past No. What's going on there? It's really cool. I was thinking about uh, the start of the band. We we was all uh, having some fun, uh, creating music, just, you know, messing around. And it was actually Half Past Nine. And they said, man, that's a great top. And we said, well, nine would be better in... E-I-N, which in German is no. Mm-hmm. So this band, uh, I like it because it's like you push it to the edge of what you feel emotionally and passionately, but you got to stop to a certain point to keep yourself sane. So you push it to limit us to right to the threshold, then you stop. That moment of hesitation is the moment of nine. Yes, but you push a little bit beyond. Yes, correct. And this particular album, why did you choose to launch it in Japan first before anywhere else? Well, number one is I love Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always admired the culture. I grew up as a child watching Astro Boy, Tencent T28. Of course, Godzilla, which is my hero. Uh, Godzilla or Godzilla. I love it. <laughs> My first visit, I was still enthralled with all the culture, the, um, the toys. I'm a toy collector. You're a toy collector? I collect little toys. Uh, little Such you know, as? You know, Godzilla, the, all the Tohoi stuff, uh, little knickknacks, uh, robots. I've been collecting robots since I was probably 10, 10 11 years old. Little toy robots. How, <laughs> how many robots do you have? I got a few of them there. I, I got a little in my music room. I probably got a couple of hundred sitting there. Wow. You know, they, they remind me of moments of passion that, you know, <clears> visits, <throat> things of my childhood, uh, you know, family, Christmas. So it's all combined. I still got them. And I get ideas of creation of music. Sometimes I look at it and I might get an idea or a song. But I really love my toys. I'm, I'm, I'm still a big kid. Wow. And you have just robots or other collectibles? Oh, yeah, I have all sorts of collectibles. I'm a big Hot Wheels fan. 
Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. Doc Cash. Oh, I was a Hot Wheels fan when I was a lad. I probably have a few thousand of them laying around the house. A few thousand. Yes, I still heavily addicted to certain Hot Wheels, such as. Well, some of the vintage. I have quite a vintage that I kept as a child, but new stuff I still collect. And but I'm slowing down on that because I got old amp cases full of Hot Wheels that I don't have no room to display anymore. But uh, I still love them. I still uh, collect them, and they're quite affordable. Wow! It's a poor man's hobby. Sure. Okay, back to half past nine. Yes. Who else is in the band? Who else is involved? Who else is going to be part of your um, launch? Or okay, well, you, I guess you're talking on? to the JT. You're talking to probably the, the main person, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some close friends. Uh, one's a, a Martin Harper. He's a real close friend I grew up with. He does a lot of uh, synth sequencing with me. Uh, then I have several bass players. He's also a great fretless bass player, which is did on a few tracks. And now I brought in Tony Nagy, a friend of mine that I work with. Another one, Andy Jellison, I work with. Mm-hmm. And um, I mostly I do all the guitar. I do the ebos. I do a lot, a lot of synths myself. And uh, this is very small, but I'm, I'm bringing additional players that I feel comfortable with was what I already have written and let's just you know expanding out the songs. There's a lot of stuff coming in the future. The main thing is I just want to really get this out because I think this is a very strong CD that's very unorthodox as well as my vocals. Sure. And the the whole package that I think that it's it's totally different than the typical I think it's something really cool for twenty twenty. Why? It's different. Because it's different. 2020, it's going to be, I think it's uh, going to be bringing a new generation of a lot of different music, not just mine, but many others around the world. Mm-hmm. It's very unorthodox. I sing sort of like Leonard Cohen meets Tom Waits. And if, if you can imagine that. In the real music world, I'm not a vocalist. But in the passion of what I do, it's something different. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the music is kind of, you know, a mixture of all the stuff I listen to. Right, and I put it all together and, and just you know whip it up and let's just put make it happen. Who's your musical hero? Musical hero is a guy named Bill Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a fabulous guitar player. He's in, you know in the UK. He was in a band called Bebop Deluxe, uh, which I loved many years, but probably the last twenty years or so. His instrumental own private stuff he does in his little studio uh, is phenomenal, and I love that. I like the way he plays. I learned a lot of stuff uh, watching him play Ebo. I got to see him in the 80s. I think it was 80, 84. I got to see him. And uh, I, I like a lot of the Japanese artists, uh, like Harry Osano, uh-huh. uh, Yurahao Takahashi. Mm. Uh, and another one, Towatai. Uh, I think he was really, really cool as well. It's just so much stuff. I listen to vast amounts of music. Mm-hmm. Anything that appeals to me. You know what I mean? Music that appeals to me. Anything that catches your imagination or your heart. Or your thought process and your foot taps and you got a smile to me that's making music and you're enjoying it and i love that sure enough but how about modern japanese music what do you think i like it uh one of my most... j-pop or uh because your music is quite different than um uh standard i like some of the pop, ja- I like some uh, japanese of the, music i like some of the more pop kind of metal stuff that's coming out so I love the band uh, called Bandmate. Yes, I yes. like them a lot. I think they're, they're those are girls are really great. I, I like the the presentation, I like the album. Uh, as far as another band I like is a band called Cold Rain. 
they, they remind me of a lot of the influences of American bands like Metallica and all that, which I, I really like. Those guys are great. And um, I like another band that is really appealing to me uh, was Toa. And, uh, you, know, you know, he's, I think, did like 14 albums. He's got a new one, I think, coming out this year. I like his sequencing, the way they he chops edits. You know, it's, it's a really, really cool, you know, his songs. I like that. Mm-hmm. Quirky but fun. Quirky but fun. I want to come back to your interest in Japan. You said uh, part of your first interest was um, Godzilla. Godzilla. Uh, I grew up, you know, with all the all the science fiction monsters and animal stuff. I love that. Uh, uh, my first visit was so fantastic here. When was that? That was in 1990. 1990. Uh huh. Yes, and uh, I have a close friend that lived here, invited me over. And we did countryside. Hmm. Well, it's in you know, a major city, you know, like Shibuya, you know, and certain areas in Tokyo. And I fell in love with it, especially the food. Right. Got, you know, hello, Japan, you have great food. I'm it's very easy to fall in love with Japanese food. It's fantastic. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And I like that. I like a lot of the artwork um, that I got to see. Uh, there's some great artists here in many aspects of that. Some of the concepts I don't understand, but then sometimes the spiritual, Shinto, uh, Buddhism, and, uh, you know, I can't wait. I'm going to go to Kamakura and go see the big Buddha again. What is it with the skulls? Ah, the skulls. Half Past Nine first album, which is launching in 2020 in Japan. What is it about the skulls? Skulls. Think think of this, you know, as you you leave life, Mm -hmm. your soul and spirit goes upward yes. or out into the earth. Right. But the skull always remains. And that means, you know, skull of strength. Right. Uh, skull also, to me, represents uh, you got to go forward. Even though you hold the past, you, you go to the future. We have here on the table a Japanese piece of artwork that is uh, based on a very similar, actually uh, similar concept. Now, about your writing of music, what is your process? Do you start with music? Do you start with theories or concepts? Do you start with words and lyrics? Well, there's there's two avenues. One, I usually do do a lot of music. Yes. And then I contemplate. In other words, I sit and drift, daydream. Not force it to say, oh, i got to write this, that. No. It, It comes to me automatically. And then two is sometimes I just write lyrics. You know, for my thought process of, you know, uh, seeing things, relaxing, or daydreaming, uh, or, or the feelings, or past romances, or past daydreams, or things in the future, you know, that I think about. I jot them down. And then sometimes also it's a mixture of both. It depends on the, the, the song, you know. One song I did uh, was called No Promises. Mm hmm. And that was about, you know, heartache, uh, so much you fell in love with that broke your heart. And, you know, lies that you keep, you know, no promises. It's it's a really good emotional song. So I'm sure people out there that have had heartache, heartbreak, and, and want to move forward, it's a good song to nurture your soul. So let's listen to No Promises.
think of Japan's music scene right now? Not the music itself uh, so much, but the fact that there's actually a Japanese word. They call it bijuaruke, which is looking more, more than sounding. I think it's really cool. You think it's cool? I think it's cool. Cool. All be, right. All be, right. Be who you are. Mm-hmm. There's no rules. There's no rules. If you feel like, you know, I want to dress in anger or you feel like I want to dress 
in a stargaze, shoebox atmosphere, uh, you know, where your dreams, go for it. There's no rules to hold you back. Follow your heart. Follow your passion. Make your dreams happen because if you don't, they will fade and you'll never get to do it again. Now I want to ask you about Astro Boy. Ah, yes. Astro Boy, I love him. I was a watch, used to watch him when I was five or six years old in the, in the States. Mm-hmm. These were all, you know, black and white, you know, the, the tunes, but they had a, a local station. And every Saturday morning, they would show Astro Boy. And I was just enthralled. And he was always <laughs> the hero of the day, you know, to save, save, save the good from the bad. What is the key uh, takeaway that you hope people will get from your album? Follow your dreams, feel your emotions, feel your passion, feel your faith, and feel your love. Feel your love. Yeah, love's got a lot to do with, you know, it's in your heart, it's in your mind. This is not, it doesn't mean uh, chasing things, but chase your dreams. Chase everything that you believe in and be humble and be pure. Billy Jackson, thank you for being my very first guest on my very first show. Thank you, JT. This pilot episode of the Ronjiro Japan podcast was produced with the kind assistance of Kevin and Michael Hamilton and Trestine Jean. The three Half Past Nine songs played during the show are used with the exclusive permission of Half Past Nine, Ubique Artists and Ubique Limited. All rights are reserved. Promotional photographs of Billy Jackson were taken by the amazing Paul Weber at paulwebberphotographer.com. All photos are used with Billy Jackson's permission. Special thanks to Groom Guitars and Guitars.com. Also a special shout out to David Charles Photography for the great picture of Bill Nelson and thanks to Mr. Nelson himself for permission to use it. Best efforts were made to credit all other photos and visual assets on screen where possible. Thanks for listening to the Ronjiro Japan podcast. If you like the show and want to learn more, Check out www.ronjirujapan.com. That's www.ronjirujapan.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share. And please leave us a review, it will really help the show. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and watch the videos of the episodes on our YouTube channel. All the details are on the website and in the description for this episode. Keep on following the discussion. I look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. From Ronjiru, Japan, in Tokyo, I've been your host JT. Until next time, Ogenki dene.